Welcome to our News of the Times History News Short. Our headline story from the Ulverston Mirror and Furness Reflector, October 1870. The Execution of Margaret Waters, Baby Farmer. Margaret Waters, the baby farmer whose case has excited so much public attention, was executed on Tuesday morning at nine o'clock within the walls of Horsemonger Lane Prison in London. The culprit, it will be remembered, was convicted upon one of six indictments for the willful murder of an illegitimate child two months old, the allegation on the part of the prosecution being that she and her sister, who was tried with her and acquitted of the capital charge, had initiated a regular system of murder by professing to, quote, adopt, unquote, newly born children. Upon the payment of a small sum of money, their real object being to get rid of the children as speedily as possible. The prisoner seems to have conducted herself remarkably well since her conviction. Although she has frequently stated that she had been guilty of deceit and fraud in reference to the children entrusted to her, she was down to the very last moment persisting in asserting that she never entertained the intention of destroying their lives. She was visited for the last time by her two brothers on Monday. Her brothers previously had an interview with the Lord Chief Baron, who tried the prisoner, and they informed his lordship that they could procure evidence to show that their sister had treated the child for whose murder she was convicted with kindness, and that she had also done all she could for other children. His lordship said that evidence of this description would have been important if it had been produced at the trial, but it was not in his power to interfere at that time with the execution of the sentence. Ever since she had been under sentence, the prisoner appears to have taken very little sustenance, and it was frequently necessary to administer stimulants to her. The Reverend Mr. Jessop, the chaplain of the prison, was frequently called up in the night to visit her on account of the disturbed state of her mind. One Monday night the prisoner requested to be allowed to write a statement of her case, which she desired to be published after her death. She was engaged a considerable time in doing so. She declared that before she closed her eyes in this world, she considered it right to state the truth. She then stated that her difficulties were first created by contracting a loan from which she had to pay exorbitant interest, and that when she resorted to baby farming, she thought she would be able to gain enough to support herself. She said she pleaded guilty to obtaining money by false pretenses, and admitted that she had laid down the dead bodies of five infants. But she declared that they all died of convulsions or diarrhoea, and the first that she so laid down was in March last. She said that if she did not give the children proper food, it was an error of judgment, 
and declared most positively that she never gave the children any food that was sour. She said she thought it was very hard that she should be blamed for the deaths of the children who died in the workhouses so long afterwards, and with regard to keeping the children clean, she said that she sometimes paid as much as ten shillings a week for washing, besides the washing that was done at home. She said that she employed Mrs. Rowlands to wet-nurse baby Cowan several days before he was discovered, and he did not die until he had been away from her for a fortnight, and she considered it very hard that she should be made responsible for his death. She said that she perfectly understood why this case had been got up, and she considered the parents of illegitimate children who wanted to get rid of them by any means were more to blame than persons like herself. If there were no parents of this class, there would be no baby farmers. These were the material points in her statement, and she again asserted that she never intended to destroy the lives of the children. The culprit slept very little on Monday night, and the Reverend Mr. Jessop was with her soon after seven o'clock on Tuesday morning, and remained with her till the last moment. She was engaged in prayer down to the time. Calcraft was introduced into her cell. She did not betray any emotion while being pinioned, and appeared to have recovered all the firmness that characterised her during the trial. A procession, consisting of Mr. C. Abbott, the under-sheriff, the governor and some of the jail officials was formed, and the culprit brought through the residences of the matron which adjoins the prison to the place of execution. She walked with a firm step, and after the rope had been adjusted, she, in a calm and composed tone, uttered what was described by those who heard it as a beautiful extempore prayer. She then shook hands with the Reverend Mr. Jessop, with Calcraft and one of the prison warders. She appeared to die almost instantaneously. Although the execution was private, a good many persons assembled outside the prison. A statement made by the convict Margaret Waters, which covered fifteen sides of full scrap, was read by Dr. Edmonds at a discussion on baby farming at the Dialectic Society's rooms in London on Wednesday. Dr. Edmonds said that Waters had told him that at her husband's death in 1864, she was left with £300 in her possession, and, having lost the greater part of her money in an attempt to carry on a business as a collar-maker, she resorted to letting lodgings as a means of obtaining a livelihood. And one of her first lodgers was a lady living under the protection of a city solicitor and passing as his wife under an assumed name. Mrs. Waters did not know that she was a single woman, but believed that she was really the gentleman's wife. The lady was confined in the house and left, but she said she did not wish to take the child with her and offered to pay Mrs. Waters for nursing it. Mrs. Waters consented, and that was the first child she in any way farmed. The same lady came again, 
was confined and left another child, whom she also paid very well for. Being in difficulties, Mrs. Waters began to think that this would be a good means of adding to her income and received several other ladies under similar circumstances, but she never advertised at the time. Meanwhile, her pecuniary difficulties increasing, she found herself obliged to move from Addington Square in Camberwell to Bournemouth Terrace in Peckham, where she commenced baby farming as a system. She advertised for children, and she had answers from persons in all stations. Among her clients, she said, were a chancery barrister, a well-known gentleman in another profession, and a gentleman whose name was recently very much before the public in connection with another matter. She drifted along in this course getting from bad to worse, and, as her mother strongly disapproved of her taking in children, she opened up a new line of business. She advertised for children to adopt, and generally received ten pounds with one. She then went to one of the women who advertised in the Clerkenwell News for children to nurse, and arranged to put the baby out to nurse. Upon paying two weeks in advance, she was hardly ever asked even for an address, and when she went away, she never heard anything more of the child. She gained the difference between the ten pounds given her for adopting the child and the fortnight's payment for nursing it. She at length fell into great distress and borrowed twenty-eight pounds from a money-lender on her furniture. He deducted fourteen pounds of the twenty-eight pounds for expenses and made her pay two pounds ten shillings a month until the whole twenty-eight pounds was paid to him. Whenever she was a few days behind in paying one of her instalments, he threatened to seize all her things, and he only desisted upon being paid ten shillings by way of a fine. When the twenty-eight pounds was paid back in this way, she was so reduced, and she was then obliged to get another loan from the money-lender on the same terms. At this time the children were as well attended as she could manage it. A medical man was always called in when they were sick, and when they died they were properly buried and she had the undertaker's receipts. Being unable to pay the moneylender his instalments, he threatened to strip her of everything under her bill of sale. She removed and changed her name in order to conceal herself from him, and this, she affirms, was her sole motive for the change of name which so told against her. When she went to Brixton, five children died, some from diarrhoea and wasting, and others from convulsions. She was very poor, and to save the cost of burials, she wrapped the bodies in brown paper and took them out at night and left them where they were found by people afterwards. Four other children she took, one at a time, into the streets, and when she saw little boys and girls at play, she called one of them and said, Oh, I am so tired. Here, hold my baby, and here is sixpence for you to go to the sweet shop and get something nice. While the children went into the shop, she made off. The babies, she believes, 
were generally taken to the workhouse. Some of the persons who gave the children for adoption, she says, were evidently well off. The babies were very well dressed and sometimes were given her within an hour after they were born and before they were even dressed. You have been listening to News of the Times and I am Robin Coles.